Good morning. Before I start, I really should um, see if I can find my Bible. I know it's here somewhere. It's kind of it's on the chair behind me. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. What would I do without Matt? Okay, good morning. Before I start, uh, some of you are aware there's a green basket with some plastic eggs in the back on the round table. And uh, I opened one and thought I was gonna get jelly beans, but there's some, there's some really nice little prizes. So Sandra McClure, bless her heart, she had to go home, she's not feeling well, uh, prepared these. So it's a first come, first serve. Don't get up now, please. <laughs> but uh, please, take something home with you as a reminder of this woman who is so generous and so giving. Let's just bow in a word of prayer before we start. Well, Father, we rejoice this morning the day of resurrection, 2,000 years ago, there was an empty tomb. There was an angel. There were grave clothes, but he was not there. He had risen. So we proclaim this anniversary of this life-changing event in history, and we pray that this event, remembered this morning, would be encouraging, to us and perhaps even life-changing and we pray that the Lord would be gracious this morning as we hear and proclaim the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in his name we pray amen so last fall I decided to do something different and plant bulbs daffodil bulbs in the backyard with the hope that in the spring, little daffodils would spring up and we would look out and see these beautiful reminders of spring. Well, uh, some of them did, some of them didn't. I discovered some of them dug up by squirrels. Uh, I had to replant them. But then I had a remarkable uh, discovery I was kind of discouraged because the ones that came up didn't look all didn't look like my neighbors did. I'm always in competition with the neighbors. But I went into my shed where I had stored daffodil bulbs that I thought were pretty puny and not worthy of planting. They've been there all winter in the bag and this is what happened. And of course, I will now plant them. They're probably going to be the best ones in my backyard. <laughs> so here's, here's a lesson. In our own lives, you know, there, there are those that perhaps we might think are unworthy or, or not, not capable, but there is potential. There is potential in everyone. We are created in God's image, and the life of Christ potentially is in each one. So there's my, there's my object lesson. Last week, our Forsythia 
bushes look dead. This morning I went out and here's the result. So this is a time of renewal. And we rejoice in the renewal that's in nature and that also uh, can happen in the lives of individuals. So let's see how techno savvy I am this morning. Not very. We await. <laughs> These are Jesus' words to Martha. Her brother, her brother Lazarus had died four days earlier. And Jesus proclaimed to her that those who believe, though they were dead in their sins, would rise again. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And the following sentence, and the question for us today, believest thou this? The point of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead was to provide living proof that Jesus' power came from God, that he was the Son of God. Believing was seeing. He that was dead was alive. Jesus came to bring hope to a dying world. The title of this message is Resurrection Hope. The story of Lazarus being raised from his grave illustrates the power of God over the power of death. Jesus asks Martha to do just one thing, believe. Believe in me and you shall have eternal life. He offers the same promise to a dying world today Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And the result, many of the Jews believed on him. I have a little booklet here that many of you have taken. I've given several of these out. In fact, in Staples yesterday, I had run out of ink, of course, and had to replenish my supply so I could print out my message. And uh, I was surprised when I went to the counter, the girl wished me a happy Easter. I don't remember that happening. I'm not sure that's politically correct. And she had wished the person before me and the person kind of frowned and went on. And she, she said that to me and I thought, wow, and we talked a little bit. And I remembered I had one of these booklets out in the car. So I actually went back in and shared with her one of the stories in this booklet, opportunities to share 
the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to read a little selection from here. Actually, Jerry and I talked about this one this week. It's called Pain with a Purpose. And this is written by a man named David McCasland. I asked several friends what their most difficult, painful experience in life had been. Their answers included war, divorce, surgery, and the loss of a loved one. My wife's reply was the birth of our first child. It was a long and difficult labor in a lonely army hospital. But looking back, she said she considers it joyful because of the pain, because the pain had a big purpose. Just before Jesus went to the cross, he told his followers they were about to go through a time of great pain and sorrow. The Lord compared their coming experience to that of a woman during childbirth when her anguish turns to joy after her child is born. This is in John 16, verses 20 to 21. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. The joy of our Savior outweighed his sufferings, just as the hope he gives overshadows all of our suffering and pain. Jesus said because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Pain with a purpose, and also the pain and suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ allows him to touch us in a meaningful way as we sang earlier. A very familiar verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus spoke this to a doubting Nicodemus. And later he spoke to his disciples about his death. And he said in John chapter 10, verse 18, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again, speaking of his coming death on the cross and his resurrection three days later. He told them, unless he died, there would be no hope of eternal life. And in verse 28 of John 10, he says, I give them my sheep, eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. Again, Jesus makes it clear that only those who believe on him share in the promise of eternal life. And as at Lazarus' grave, in verse 42, and many believed on him. God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Just contemplate the slide for a moment. Both my wife and my daughter brought me water this morning. Appreciate that. 
This slide reminds me of God's amazing majesty, his power to create, his power to reveal himself through his son. He reminds us, he reminds us that in these two verses, hope resides in a person. You are my hope, the psalmist writes. And then in 1 Peter, Peter declares in chapter 3, Jesus is our living hope. And that God reveals himself through his word. He is the living God. Jesus is the living word. John reminds us in chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. I'm posing two questions this morning. One, what difference did belief in Jesus' resurrection make in the lives of three individuals? Mary Magdalene, Simon Peter, Jesus' disciple, and Saul, later Paul of Tarsus. And then the second question, what difference should belief in the resurrection make in my life, in the life of Christians, your life? What difference? What difference indeed? I could probably spend a good 40 minutes on these verses. I'm not going to. Uh, those of you who come to the Bible study Thursday, Matt has promised me he'll print these out, and we might consider uh, some of the sources of hope that we have in the scriptures, in the power of God to save, in the resurrection of Christ, the second coming of Christ, a home in heaven, a resurrection body. That's just a beginning. You can probably add more to that as well. But the point is, we have hope in God. We have hope in his word. We have hope in the Savior that died and lives again. We're going to look, as I said, at encounters that three individuals, beginning with Mary Magdalene, had. I'm going to ask John if he would come up and read these verses, please. And you can follow in your Bibles if you have them, if you have a Bible. John chapter 20, verse 1, and then we'll skip down to uh, verse 11. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Verse 11. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back, and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. 
Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had, spo that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. second encounter is with the Apostle Peter after he was resurrected at the seaside where Jesus ministered to Peter in a very special way. John chapter 21 and verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdst thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldst. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he, sa he saith unto him, Follow me. The last example, the last encounter is Jesus meeting Saul on the Damascus Road. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. <clears throat> and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said unto him, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and astonished. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus.
three individuals in very different circumstances, and I think this is a reminder that no matter what our circumstances, whether we're in a situation where we are in inconsolable sorrow, where there doesn't seem to be any light at the end of a darkened tunnel, Jesus can minister. With Peter, Peter was very troubled by the fact that he had denied his Lord three times. And three times, Jesus asks him that question. Peter, do you love me? He is so gracious to Peter. He is so gracious to Mary. And even with Saul, who's bent on killing Christians on his way to Damascus and is stopped by this great light that appears in heaven, Saul, Saul, why? Why are you doing this? Even those that seem beyond God's reach, this should be a reminder to us as we think about those that we love, those that seem beyond God's reach perhaps, people who are angry, people who are belligerent, people who say there is no God. Jesus can minister through his resurrection. With Mary, and remember, the light went on in Mary's heart when Jesus said her name. Think of that. He knows our names, and he's willing to ask in a very, very compassionate voice, Peter, Mary, Bill, What was she in need of? She had a broken heart. And just seeing him was enough. I love you, Mary. Don't hold me now. But just seeing him and hearing her name was enough. Peter, he needed to be reconciled. His heart was troubled. He had separated himself. He had done the unthinkable. He had denied his Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. So three times Jesus asks him that question, do you love me? And three times Peter answered, you know I love you. But it took three times before Peter had some peace. He ministers to the sorrowing. He ministers to the trouble in need of reconciliation. And then finally, Paul. Paul's life was going in the wrong direction. So what did Jesus do? He blinded him. He made him totally dependent on others. And again, he called his name. It was Mary. It was Simon. It was Saul. He calls us by name. And that is his trademark. For God so loved the world, but he calls us by name. And notice the heart. It is the heart that's the heart of the matter. It's not knowing, it's knowing him. It's knowing about him. It's knowing him personally. And that's what Easter, that's what the risen Lord can do 
in someone's life. What does he say to Mary? Stay here? Build a little statue? No. Go, Mary. You have good news to tell. And so she does that. Now she's completely filled with joy, whereas in the morning to the tomb she came in such great sorrow. So he's changed her life forever. And this is true of us, isn't it? And this was, this was something Mary was happy to do. When God gives us a task, when he gives us a ministry, he gives us something that we're able to do. Pam and I were just talking about that this morning. Maybe it's something very, very simple. Telling, telling someone you love them that you haven't said in a long time. It's a reminder, call my mother this afternoon. Pam, remember that. Uh, have you told that person that you love them? That, this may be the last time you see that person. You realize that? Tell them that you love them. Peter, very special ministry. And Jesus, as, as John just read, Jesus even showed him he was going to die on a cross. But then he says, follow me. That was the same command he gave Peter at the beginning. He gives it to him at the end. Follow me. Follow me. Is that so hard? Sometimes it seems that way, doesn't it? Just follow me. And then to Saul, you know, it would be about 10 years later that Paul actually started his real ministry. Paul had some relearning to do. <laughs> he thought he understood, but he didn't. And so the Lord taught him. And once he taught him and once he was ready, Paul was an evangelist spread the gospel throughout the world. But for now, just get up, and I will give you instructions. And he had to be led by the hand, the scriptures tell us. He couldn't go on his own steam. And sometimes that's us too, isn't it? We need others to come alongside and help. Okay. So what do we have here? Mary... She was in need of relief. Peter, he was in need of reconciliation. And Paul, he was in need of redemption. Relief, reconciliation, and redemption. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The proof of the pudding. There was an empty grave. There were grave clothes. And you know, I hadn't really thought about this, but that grave, that empty grave, was there for all to see. Even those who perhaps weren't among the 500. And by the way, that was a once appearing. Hello. Oh, okay, we have a chorus. <laughs> He's singing the right song anyway. So the witnesses and the, those who testified about Jesus among these people. And now today, people risking their lives, even today, in areas, all areas of the world, for the truth 
of the gospel of Christ. Is that evidence of the truth of the gospel of Christ? I believe it is. And we see it in others. We had a wonderful meeting with the men on Saturday, and it was so evident in each one that the Lord was working mightily in many cases to do the work that Jesus wants us to do. And it doesn't have to be that hard. For Mary, tell somebody. Tell somebody the, you know, that Jesus is your Savior. That's, that's hard to do for some of us. And for Peter, tell. To the disciples, tell. There's that word that sometimes scares us. But, you know, if we have, if we have the heart for Jesus, he, he gives us the words or he gives us just the love for those other people. Okay, now if you have your Bible, here's, here's the transforming power of the hope of Jesus' resurrection. Peter goes out and he preaches a sermon in Acts chapter 2. And if you have a chance this week, and if you come to the Bible study on Thursday, we'll take a look at that sermon. It's a gospel message. Amazing, his first sermon, 3,000 people were saved. Not bad. <laughs> That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So Peter does what the Lord asks him to do. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, which is a wonderful chapter, let's just read a few verses, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Without that resurrection, Peter had no hope. And this is the living hope. We spoke of the living word before and how Jesus embodied that and proved it by God having raised him from the dead. And then here, here we are in verse four. We have an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. So the benefit of Jesus' resurrection is that he created a way for us to be with him forever. Verse five, we are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We're living in the last days, I believe. And God is keeping a remnant of his people alive. He is keeping us. Remember Jesus talking about laying down his life in John chapter 10 and God having the power to keep us. No man shall take you out of my hand. He has the power to keep, and that's very important that we remember that. And then I'm just going to skip down to verse 13. Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The grace of God, the grace of the gospel, Jesus' power to keep is his amazing grace. Rest your hope fully upon his grace and the truth of his scriptures. Now, with Paul, I've asked uh, Ken if he would please come up. 
from 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians uh, chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. In verse 10, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. And verse 55 to 57. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Ken. In verses one through four, if you're ever looking for the gospel message and don't know where to find it, there it is. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And on Thursday, we'll talk about some of those Old Testament scriptures that predicted Christ's death and that he was buried. Mary saw that according to Matthew and according to Mark. She saw the burial. She saw the stone ray rolled in front of that grave. And when she came on that Sunday morning, she had no idea, no idea how that was all gonna happen. But she went anyway with two other women. And what did she see? The stone rolled away, the empty grave, and heard the voice of that angel saying, go and tell others. So buried and then rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And isn't that a picture of believer's baptism? The believer is taken under the water signifying Death to that old man, to that old nature, that old way of life. And then, as it were, buried in that water. And then risen up out of that water as a symbol of new life in Christ. The resurrection. Death, burial, and resurrection. And that is the gospel. He died and he was buried, and now he's risen again. So, where does this place us? You and I. What Paul, what, <laughs> what Ken read, Paul wrote, 
is that Paul preached the gospel, others believed the gospel, and he explained the gospel as I have just tried to do. And that picture of water baptism should be very clear in our minds. And then he read, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? We fear death, but yet death is the open door to a new life in heaven. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What about us? What about you? What about me? Before our final hymn, I just want to share a little testimony with you by someone named Peter Lubbert, who is about to leave for Nigeria, along with David Broadbent. And we certainly need to pray for them. When are they leaving, Eric? Thursday. So the 31st. And there's still time if you wish. I've got information on the board there if you wish to contribute to, uh, to the expenses of this trip. But here's Peter Lover. Here's his testimony. In time past, I have had mountaintop seasons and also crawled through places of darkness. By the redeeming power of Jesus, I have overcome, among other things, addiction, depression, and fear. I've been at the point of total reckless abandon, but because of the all-encompassing and indwelling love of the Father through Jesus Christ, which I have received into my innermost being, I walk in freedom with the Holy Spirit, freedom in the love of Jesus that has saved me, changed me, and marked me, and it has been woven into my core. It is the single most powerful and valuable defining aspect of my life and is what I will simply share with those who will receive us, receive it. Pray for Peter and for David and for all those around the world who on a daily basis, daily basis depend on the Lord for often their very lives in the world that we live in. That's nothing to be taken for granted. Now finally, I'm going to ask you to join me. And uh, Jakari, you might want to come up. And Skip's going to help on uh, the guitar to uh, sing a gospel song. Now, you might not think of this song because some of you are familiar with this song. Gospel song, but 
You know, as I was preparing this message, and it became clear that it was Mary, Peter, and Paul, I thought, well, why not look into the archives <laughs> and come up with a song that certainly we can sing joyfully, and it might even remind us of the gospel of Christ. So, if I had a hammer, Jesus. It's a song about glory. It's a song about love between the Father and his children forevermore. Can you sing those words?
be singing that song in heaven? I don't know. <laughs> but the theme is the right theme. It's a song about Jesus. It's a song about hope. It's a song about the right words. <laughs> and I just, my hope is that each one of us here this morning has been touched in some way with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the living Savior, the living hope that we have as we go forward to proclaim hope to a dying world. Just closing prayer, please. Oh, Father, this story of hope, this amazing story that even those who witnessed the open tomb, the empty tomb, who even heard the angel had trouble. We think of Thomas, an entire week later, who was asked to put his hands in the place where Jesus had been wounded. And we thank you that though we have not seen, we can believe the transforming news that Jesus is alive and coming again at any time. It is a song about Jesus. It's a song about his redeeming love between and for the children, the brothers and the sisters all over this land and all over this world. We thank you for Jesus and for this message of hope. And we pray now in Jesus' name, amen.